All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At close of business, news briefing. Good afternoon and welcome to the At Close of Business podcast. This is Simone Grogan with your top stories this Monday afternoon. Employment law changes proposed under the federal government's Same Jobs, Same Pay initiative would cost BHP's Australian operations as much as $1.3 billion per year, the company has revealed today. The miners' submission in response to the Same Jobs, Same Pay consultation paper released by the federal government in April said blanket application of the proposed laws in their current form would cost its Australian operations up to $1.3 billion, the equivalent of 5,000 full-time employees. The proposed legislation would require labour hire workers to receive the same pay conditions as employees directly engaged by a business. The Fair Work Act currently allows businesses to engage temporary and permanent staff conducting the same work on different terms and conditions. However, BHP said the proposed changes strayed from the government's initial objective of protecting workers from exploitative labour policies and that the policy in its proposed form would create unsustainable cost pressures. And in other news, Kimberley Cotton Company has approved construction of WA's first cotton processing gin, despite needing to raise extra funds to cover a 36% cost blowout. The project is budgeted to cost $60 million, up from earlier estimates of $44 million. The increase includes an additional $6 million in construction costs because of a variation in scope to meet local air and noise requirements. The cotton gin is critical to the planned development of a large-scale cotton industry in the Ord River Irrigation Area. Kimberley Cotton Co., or K. ACC plans to raise an additional $7 million in equity, according to ASX company Nomoi Cotton, which has a 26% stake in the business. And in other news, the WA government has finalised a land use agreement with native title owners of Chihuahua Land, which covers 13,000 square kilometres of land in the northern goldfields and is home to several mine sites. Following federal court mediation, the state government and the Chihuahua Aboriginal Corporation, or TAC, has established the Chihuahua-Paliakua arrangement. The agreement includes the settlement of three native title compensation claims in the region, which were initially lodged against the state in 2020. Under the agreement, TAC will have greater authority in negotiating requests for exploration, mining tenements and petroleum titles on their land. Chihuahua country has been the site of mining exploration and projects since the late 1960s. The corporation has already formed several agreements with mining projects on the land, including a work-ready training program with BHP Nickel West at their Mount Keith and Leinster mines, as as well as a cultural heritage management agreement with Liontown Resources Kathleen Valley Lithium Project. The state will also provide compensation for historic state activity on Chihuahua land, as well as outline guidance for future land use. This will include $25.5 million monetary compensation, recognition of native title rights and transfer of ownership of land parcels to TAC, as well as the creation of the Chihuahua Conservation Estate. And that's all from me this afternoon. Coming up next on the podcast, Jack McGinn and Mark Byer discuss pivotal moments in the last 30 years of WA's resources sector. The business world is teeming with opportunities to succeed and every day is a chance for the ambitious to learn, know and grow. Over recent years, we have built the greatest business journalist team in WA, delivering you the most trusted, comprehensive, intelligent and up-to-date news across every sector, every platform, every day. No fluff, all informative stuff. At Business News, we believe progress boils down to one simple habit. That is, 
What you subscribe to today shapes what you will become tomorrow. Subscribe to success. Subscribe to Business News. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash subscribe for more information. Welcome back to At Close of Business. I'm Jack McGinn and today I'm joined by Mark Bayer. Mark, how are you? Very good. Thanks, Jack. That's good. Mark, it'll come as no surprise to anyone that iron ore exports have soared over the past 30 years. Uh, your story in the most recent edition of Business News illustrates that growth with a very compelling graph and also some really good insight. Tell us a little bit about iron ore and its performance over the past 30 years and what that tells us about ourselves, the state. Yeah, sure. Look, you're right. Iron ore, we write about it a lot. We all hear about it a lot. And often people talk about it in dollar figures, you know, billions of dollars here, billions of dollars there, and sometimes it's hard to grasp the scale of it. Um, For this graph to illustrate the story, I've focused on the volume of iron ore production. And look, it's been really quite extraordinary how much that has grown over the past 30 years. If you go back to 1993, annual production was about 120, 130 million tonnes a year. It's now around 850 million tonnes. In fact, all through the 90s, it grew a little bit, but not very much at all. The key sort of turning point that I've highlighted was 2003. That's when Andrew Forrest took over a small ASX company called Allied Mining and Processing and said, we're going to become the third force in iron ore. And his thesis was very simple. He talked about the impending China boom. And he said there's going to be huge growth in demand for iron ore as China industrialises and urbanises. And, of course, he was spot on. And that obviously underpins the success of that company, which morphed into Fortescue Metals Group, now a top 10 ASX company nationally, uh, made Andrew Forrest one of the richest people in the country and been joined by you know, many others, um, not of the same scale. Um, you've still got the big two, Rio, BHP. They're still the largest producers, uh, followed by Fortescue. Uh, but Gina Reinhardt's group, Hancock Prospecting and Roy Hill, they're big producers. Chris Ellison's company, Mineral Resources, very substantial as well, and got a lot of growth projects. I mean, they're all looking to develop new mines, expand production. And, of course, off the back of that, huge opportunities for contractors. And I guess another way of looking at this for context, iron ore accounts for about half of all of Western Australia's resource exports. It accounts for about half of all jobs in the resources sector. So it's just huge for for Western Australia. Absolutely fundamental. It's an absolute behemoth and, and some of those names you mentioned there as well, very uh, household Western Australian names. Other commodities over that 30 years have probably not experienced quite the same run as iron ore. There were some sectors that maybe fell away a little bit over the last three decades. Uh, Which were the sectors that you noticed that sort of dropped away and what do you think the causes were for that? Yeah, well, in that regard, there are two industries that really stood out. Um, 30 years ago, gold was the state's single most valuable commodity sector. It accounted for about a quarter of all resource sector production in Western Australia it's, I mean, it's still third on the list, but it's you know, tiny compared to iron ore and some of the other growth areas. There hasn't been much growth in the volume of gold production, and, and nor have values grown anywhere near as much as other sectors. 
And it's really interesting because there's been a substantial number of new gold mines that have been developed over that period of time. The issue is that most gold mines have a fairly limited shelf life, you know, five, maybe 10 years, and then they're exhausted. They've reached the end of their economic life. Um, so then the, the companies need to go out and find another gold mine just to sort of maintain the scale of the industry. So, you know, gold, still very important for WA, but nowhere near as much as it used to be. Mm. And the other one was alumina, uh, which kind of surprised me. I mean, there's two big players in that space, um, Alcoa and, well, Worsley Alumina, which is owned by South32. They've both invested very substantial amounts in expansion of their operations in the southwest, um, and the volume of production has grown by about 70% over that 30-year period. But in terms of value, not very much, and it accounts only for less than 3% of total production across the resource sector. Wow. Now, on the other the other side of the scale, we've also seen some commodities emerge and grow that probably weren't there 30 years ago, or maybe were only little minor players 30 years ago. What were the major trends in that regard? Yeah, well, LNG's been one of the big growth areas, mm. uh, and that's, you know, that's featured huge investment. So 30 years ago... Woodside, with its Northwest Shelf project, was the only player in that space. Woodside itself has expanded, developed more processing trains on the Northwest Shelf, um, and built the Pluto project um, also on the Burrett Peninsula. But then you've had uh, Chevron has been a huge investor with the Gorgon and Wheatstone projects. Shell has developed Prelude, uh, so it's become a very uh, significant sector. That now ranks number two in terms of value of resource exports from Western Australia. The other one that's been even more dramatic in its growth has been lithium. I mean, that was zero 30 years ago. Mm. Um, now it's uh, the fourth most valuable commodity export from WA, worth $16 billion in 2022, which is the most recent data, but growing the rocket. And this is all around the, the boom in electric vehicles um, and other sort of modern technology devices um, that all required, require lithium for their, their long-life batteries. We've got you know, the, the mining companies like Talison and Pilbara Minerals uh, just investing big time to get more volume out. But the other really exciting thing for WA is the investment in the lithium refineries. So that's uh, more downstream sort of value add. We've got three refineries under construction at the moment. Uh, so that means we'll have growth in both volume and value of lithium exports. Um, so that's a, a big positive for WA. Nickel is another one. You know, interesting to go back and look at, there was that period where Nickel West, you know, the BHP division, was the uh, the unwanted child of the business. You know, when BHP did its big split to create South 32, South 32 didn't want the nickel business. It was seen as though it would be a drag on the business. But we all know how rapidly things can change. And now nickel's on the up and up. So... A lot of positives in there. Definitely are, and, and certainly some trends that we can expect to watch and, and cover with interest over the over the next few years as well. Mark, you've been covering this space a really long time now. Was, was there anything in particular that surprised you when you were researching this piece? Well, look, I guess there's a couple of things that stood out for me, and part of it is just reminding ourselves about some of the really significant moments over a 30-year period. And one thing I sort of had a look back at was the proposal back in 2007, I think it was, when BHP proposed a merger with Rio Tinto. That's when the China boom was well underway by then, 
and BHP was saying, well, what's the best chance we've got of exploiting this opportunity? And that's when they said, well, okay, we're going to buy our big competitor. We're going to buy Rio Tinto. Now, it got knocked back by regulators around the world who were worried about the risk of having one dominant supplier in that market. But gee, just imagine if that had gone through, how different the world might be. You know, BHP and Rio are both huge organisations and have a, a very big impact in Western Australia. If you put the two of them together, wow, the world would be very different. And, and I suppose the other part that you know, shone through from this is just how important China is. You know, it's the big market, particularly for iron ore and LNG, but it just highlights our reliance on that one market. It served WA very well, but creates a big risk if the world changes in future. And that's something that we continue to grapple with. Mm, definitely do. Mark, that's all I have for you today. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Pleasure chatting. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.